comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Facebook, no Twitter, no smartphones, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Podcast episode 44. It's our big show for the Chupacabra. We are fighting technical difficulties, but we are living. And I have with me Brad via the cell phone in the woods. Jordan. Does that make me Brad 1.0? It makes you Brad 1.0. Absolutely. And we also have Jim and Jordan and Russ. Hello. It's like the Brad Witch Project. He's out in the forest. The The Brad Witch Project. Uh, I gotta tell you though, uh, the crickets that I hear on Brad's end of the phone, those crickets come through loud on the show. I don't know if my TV is like set funny or something, but some of those scenes on The Walking Dead, I hear yes. lots of bug noise. Yes. It's like, I think, yeah. I it still wasn't as loud as Lori peeing last week though. <laughs> yeah, but that was gonna, really loud. We are not gonna nitpick this show because we had a good show this week. I think everybody would agree. What? Sucked. No, if we nitpick, we're going to lose a listener. Yes, at least one. At least one. But before we get started with the Chupacabra episode, we're going to wrap up some Cherokee Rose voicemails that we got that we weren't able to get to. Uh, on the Facebook group, We I kind of asked the question, did the, you know, did the comic readers have a harder time enjoying Cherokee Rose than the new TV watchers that don't know the comics? Because we kind of said that, we were spoiled on a few of the main plot points because we read the books. So a couple people were good enough to call in and answer that question. So let's get to those. Hey, guys. Mike Jones here from your Facebook group. In regard to the Cherokee Rose episode and readers of the comic versus non-readers of the comic, uh, that fits perfectly for how I watch the show. I obviously read the comic. My wife sits right next to me and watches the show, does not read the comic. Uh, this episode in particular, uh, much like you guys posted, I feel like was not surprising at all. Uh, the story was glaring, things of that nature. That's where my wife was very much enjoying the show, did not see any of the, the romance angle with Glenn coming or, or anything like that. Uh, but her and I both agree that this is a very flawed episode, probably one of the, the episodes I like the least. The uh, Sophia angle has gone on entirely too long. She's not that important of a character at this point, and I don't see her becoming one. Lots of inconsistencies with Shane's ankle. He appears to be very hobbled in some scenes, and then with the well scene, he obviously is not injured or appears to not be injured. I just felt like the overall quality of this episode was very muddled. 
uh, Daryl finding this huge house in the woods, uh, finding where someone's been sleeping and eating, and it's never explored. He just kind of leaves, finds the flower, and that's it. So, uh, as always, love your guys' podcast. I think it's the best one out there. And I appreciate all you do to promote The Walking Dead. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. He's a big contributor to our groups and stuff, which is cool. Um, so I think, I mean, besides some of the points that, that we sort of echoed about Cherokee Rose being a little bit of a weaker show, it sounds like here's an example of the comic viewer you know, having a little bit of a lower experience than uh, somebody that didn't know those reveals were coming. Yeah, I have, after watching the recent episode, so I don't want to talk about how that has kind of changed my opinion, but after watching last night's episode, my opinion of the show and my perspective of the show has changed. Um, and and I, I won't I won't get into it now, but I'll get into it later. When you say I, the show, you mean um, Cherokee Rose in particular, or the, the no, show? I'm sorry, Co- the show as a whole. My oh, okay. my perspective with The Walking Dead as a TV show um, changed after seeing this episode, and I'm not sure if it was the episode or if it was just one of those moments where you have and just come to a revelation. But either way, in, in a good way or a bad way, Russ? In a, in a very good way. In a very good way. Very okay. positive way. And the thing about the house and Daryl, of course, gets settled uh, real quickly in the new episode. So, uh, But we'll get to that when we get to it. One more voicemail for Cherokee Rose. What's up, guys? It's Mike. Uh, I just want to thank you for putting on the show. Um, yes, you can hear Megan and Brad. But uh, I must say, I have not been so disappointed in that Walking Dead episode thus far. Um, none of the plot lines really shocked me. A lot of it seemed to be filler. Um, for the first time, I felt at a disadvantage for having read the comic. Um, kind of makes me regret picking them up after the first season, but hopefully that will change up next episode. I think it will, as they've been stuffed on these plot lines for about an episode too long. But uh, great work. Can't wait to hear your show tomorrow. But Very cool. This is a guy who called me a negative Nancy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you think I'm a negative Nancy, dude, you should read the Facebook group wall sometime. There's a couple of jokers in there who are, like, when you put me next to them, I'm like a friggin' clown, dude. So you need to, you know, check yourself. Although They make Brad look like me. Whatever. Say what? I said they make Brad look like me. Right. Um, okay, go ahead, Jim. I was just going to say, I, I, I don't know. It kind of cuts both ways. On one side, you know, having read the comics, you do know some of the plot points that are coming up, but also there are a lot of plot points here that aren't in the comics. I mean, we have the whole, uh, you know, episode of the of CDC that wasn't in the comic. We have, you know, whole characters like Daryl and, 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 uh, T-Dog that aren't in the comics. Um, you know, so I you get both really, I think, um, having read the comic. I really don't feel disappointed knowing, you know, some of the things that are going to happen because there are so many things that, I don't know about that are going to happen as well. You know? Right, but in this particular episode, the two big reveals were things that we knew about already if we read the comics. The the uh, pregnancy and the Maggie and Glenn romance. So I want to thank Mike for that uh, voicemail, even though Brad verbally attacked him. Uh, we do appreciate voicemails, and call us again sometime. So... In an attempt to not run too long again tonight, we're going to get going with our Chupacabra recap. And who is the sponsor of that recap, Russell? The sponsor, as always, is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, where you can find fantastic specials on all of your comic book ordering, 
And if you have not been a DCBS customer in the past one year or have never been a, co a customer of DCB service, then you could use the code WB8 and save an additional 8% on your full order. Um, some of the specials they have going on now, this is the November order for the January shipping issues, are the Walking Dead Compendium, Volume 1. Uh, it's it's retails for $59.99. You can get it for 40% off, which makes your total $35.99. This is the first eight trades all in one volume. So issues 1 through 48, all in one big honking volume that you can keep by your bedside and kill a zombie with it when the apocalypse eventually gets here. And now you can read all about Herschel's barn and not be spoiled. That's right. Um, some of the other things going on, they've got a Kirby bundle going on. Dynamite Comics has the, the Kirby license to a lot of his uh, characters that never uh, got, that he didn't publish with DC or Marvel. Um, so there's a bundle that you can get and get them all for 75% off. Um, so basically what you're getting is four books for the price of one. And the bundle includes Kirby Genesis Dragon's Bane number one, Kirby Genesis Silver Star number three, Kirby Genesis Captain Victory number four, and Kirby Genesis number seven. And most of these all have really cool Alex Ross covers, stuff like that. Uh, the other thing is if you're a digital person and you prefer to read your books um, through your iPad or your Google or your Android tablet, rather, uh, you can earn an additional 5% off your orders if you order your through Comixology through the, the, the DCBS uh, website. So again, that's dcbservice.com. And you can go um, get things through uh, Comixology, or you can also go to My Digital Comics, which is again another uh, digital comics service they have. And you can get, you can earn an additional five percent off towards your order. So please check them out, DCBService.com. Sweet. And what is this Google you speak of? Only kidding. Jordan, shall we chupacabra? Yes, sir. Episode two hundred five, Chupa Thingy, starts with a flashback. Uh, we are back. After the outbreak of the zombie apocalypse, but before Rick meets up with the group, before even the group has fully formed from what we can see, it's uh, Lori, Shane, Carl, uh, and Carol, Sophia, and a special guest appearance by Ed, who at first was like, hey, it's Ed, and then I was like, oh, it's Ed, he's a jerk. Yes. Oh, wait, we must not go any further. Uh, Brad, do you want to say it, or should I? No, I'll do it. I appreciate the, uh, the thought. Um, could they have actually spent some money on a, a, a better wig for Shane, please? <laughs> Worst you know, wig. I mean, she might, he might as well, he would have looked better in one of Dolly Parton's wigs than that thing. I mean, it stuck out like a sore thumb to me. I don't know about you guys. I thought you were going to bitch about the CGI when they napalm the city. Yeah, I mean, that's TG. You know, that's, I, for me, that's TV CGI. I didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't find that too offensive because we've seen the CGI. We know the extent of the quality of the CGI on this show. I was more offended by the wig than the, than the scene of Atlanta, which I thought was pretty awesome, them dropping napalm in the streets and stuff. But the wig, something's got to be done about the, the wig and the future flashbacks. Well, as the other guys have said, they, they go across the ridge and they see that Atlanta's being napalmed by the U.S. government. And, you know, speaking of the CG, I mean, I didn't have a problem with it, but it actually reminded me of Terminator 2 um, in the scene where she's seeing everything destroyed. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Probably the same effects uh, <laughs> same yeah. effects method used. I really enjoyed the sequence a lot. Um, I think it set up, it added a lot more dimension to what really happened. You know, again, it's something we didn't really see in the comic, but it just kind of reinforces the horror of what these people must have, 
you know, went through or what it was like at that time, the whole, you know, stuck in big log traffic jams and, and, you know, the army opening up on basically their own people to cut it off and to try and stem the tide as best they could. So I love that aspect of everybody just kind of in horror when they went down to actually see the choppers coming in. And with Rick as our point of view character, we totally missed this interim period from, you know, when everything started to where we are now. You know what I mean? Like how everything got to be the way it is now. Yeah. And, of course, every time we see a helicopter, we are reminded we still don't know what happened with the helicopter in the pilot. Or was it episode two? Either way, every time I see a helicopter, I think of that helicopter. So hopefully we catch up on that one soon. Uh, back in the present day, uh, Lori wakes up and she goes out and have a con- con- has a conversation with Carol. And Carol suggests, hey, maybe we should pitch in. Everybody can get together. We'll make dinner for the Green family. Uh, kind of repay them for all they've done for us. And she also tells Lori that, you know, you're kind of like our unofficial first lady. Yeah, Lori didn't seem to like that comment uh, very yeah. much. And then I think she stares over and Rick is arguing with Shane, maybe, or somebody's questioning Rick, or, or maybe Rick just walks in and starts giving a couple, like, the plan for the day or something. I think that's what happens. Uh, per- that happens pretty soon. Uh, at the same time, Glenn is over hitting on Maggie, and uh, she seems to be not quite as interested as it might have appeared last episode. Best Glenn, I was just going to say, Glenn has very little game. Best pickup line ever. There's still 11 condoms left. That's 11 minutes of my life I'll never get back. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was cool because you could tell the the way Lauren Cohan was acting that, that she was kind of playing coy with him. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm not interested. But when she kind of walked away, she looked back at him and the way she kind of sauntered off. Um, I thought that was really cool. And Glenn you, clearly does not know how to play guitar. You go, Glenn. <laughs> uh, so like you said, they get out the map. Uh, the topographical map from before, and we're quickly brought up to speed, and the whole group has been told that Daryl found that house last episode, it just happened off screen, and that has narrowed down their, their search grid area, so they're going to spread out and look for Sophia, and Jimmy, who is not Herschel's son, but I guess it's one of his daughter's boyfriends, that's at least the impression I got, he volunteers to go along with them. Now, I'd like to make a plea to the uh, writers of the AMC show, The Walking Dead, if I may, to please tie up the Sophia storyline, please. I have Sophia, as I said last week, Sophia fatigue, okay? It's been four episodes. I understand you want to keep the cast at Herschel's farm long enough for all that to go down, but please, tie up the storyline. Thank you very much. Hey, John, John, who was it on Twitter that, that said, I'm going to start deducting half a buster for my ratings each week that Sophia's still gone? I believe it's Luthen. I had either, new, either him or soda. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It was one of those two. I started thinking about that a little more. And I started to think, okay, the little girl's missing. They have to stick out at the farm anyway. We're getting enough variety in story. You know, we're getting focuses on Daryl. We're getting focuses on, you know, Shane, on, uh, on Lori, on Andrea, on, on Dale. That I I felt okay with it. Like, it didn't seem as draggy to me in this episode because I thought they were moving other parts of the story forward and there was a reason for them to stick around and be there to look for her. It wasn't like they're out in the middle of the road anymore. You know, they're all back in one place and things are and things are going in a good direction. So, and, and if, if you think about it, not much time has really passed. So, <clears throat> this is something I was pretty critical of 
the last couple weeks, and I seem to be less critical of it this week. And I think, like I said, I think they're just they're moving things in better in other directions that that make it more um, palatable. I I think you're exactly right, Russ. I think the, the general pacing of this episode and the entire story as a whole was much better this week. So it, it didn't feel like nothing was happening. And and like you said, I think they just used this plot point a lot better. You know, we have Rick and Shane arguing about it later, which is a huge, you know, a huge deal with the struggle for leadership and things like that. And, and you know, and, well, we're going to get to all the stuff that the hunt led to. So it, it's working for the story this week. It hasn't really worked for me the other weeks. So the group splits up into several smaller groups. Rick and Shane are one of them, and they're going out searching grid-style for Sophia. Uh, Rick and Shane start the conversation by talking about Shane's high school exploits and Rick's lack of them, but it quickly turns to a discussion of uh, making the tough decisions and whether they should continue looking for Sophia, etc. That's a big conversation for me. I mean, it's more fleshing out of the stuff that kind of got rushed in Season 1. And we're just getting shown that Rick and Shane are just kind of like opposites, you know? Opposites, yeah. but we still have enough of a friendly side. I like, I really like seeing the juxtaposition of the first half of the scene where they're buddy-buddy, for the most part, and, and just rehashing old times and laughing about stuff with the second part where you see their, their relationship more these days. Right, and it's two, it's two alpha males and they're friends, but, you know, one is reserved and you know, sort of quieter and looking out for the group, and the other one is more brash and ready to make the big move or sacrifice, you know? So it's it's working for the, that male uh, struggle, the alpha male struggle. You know, like you said, John, this yeah. is an important conversation for the, the characters. It really paints how different they, they have become, you know, since uh, all this stuff has gone down and how, uh, you know, whereas Rick is, like, just openly unsure about what he's uh, doing, Shane has this, like, false confidence uh, kind of you know they again they like you said john they play off each other really well in this conversation you know i've been rereading my hardcovers and i just recently finished the third hardcover and at this point in the story um you know shane has been long gone but there has been another character filling that second alpha male role and that was the character of tyrese and we haven't seen obviously tyrese in the television show I've seen people on Twitter and Facebook saying, I wonder if T-Dog is Tyrese's replacement. Yeah, yeah they're, both, they're both black, but they are really, they're totally, two totally different characters. Um, yeah. They could be, you know, one could be Chinese and one could be Japanese. And they would just be totally different. So we do have, as in the comic, this alpha male, alpha dog situation going on, but it's very different because Rick and Shane have known each other their whole lives. And Tyrese, you know, and Rick have only recently become acquainted. So Tyrese, while he's still an alpha male type of character, he is letting Rick call more of the shots um, until things go absolutely bonkers in the comic. But at, at this point in the comic, Rick is pretty much still in control, whereas in the television show, you know, he and, he and Shane are butting heads. So and my whole point in this is, as a result, we're, we're getting a... A pretty different Rick at this point in the story than we than we have in the in the comic book, and uh, it's interesting. I, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but it, it it is very interesting. And that that's one of the other kind of revelations I had this show. I mean, we already talked about it—the fact that Shane didn't make it very far in the comic, 
And I think some of the reason why we're seeing a different Rick or where, why Kirkman and, and the writing crew are able to portray him in a different way, maybe not quite as alpha as we saw him in the comic, is because Shane is there. Um, and so they're able to, because he's there, they are, they're able to go to different places in the story. So when we get the scene between the two of them, I love it how Rick can sense that something's off between the two of them. And so he's doing whatever he can to have that conversation to try and get him to open up and to get him to, you know, to kind of get some of that back how it was before all this stuff went to hell in a handbasket. Um, and I like how Shane is trying to rationalize everything. He's like, come on, you know, we're cops. We know that for 72 hours is the most important. You know, beyond that, we're looking for a body. We're not looking for, you know, uh, it's, it's not, it's not rescue. It's recovery. Um, and, and, you know, Rick is just tortured by the fact that it's his fault that Sophia's gone. So I, I just love that. Again, it, w- it wasn't a really long scene, but it was long enough to where we got more of that dynamic. And it, it just kind of brings me, did this episode feel longer than, than the episodes in the past? I know, John, you're always one to, to tweet or Facebook out, you know, it's the shortest hour in television. But this one felt meatier and felt longer to me. I still get to that half hour mark like really fast. For some reason, every time I look up, it's half over. I felt like there was more going on in this episode than the last episode. You know, I, I felt like there was you know more more character advancement, more more dialogue, more things going on than, than we've seen in the past few episodes. I don't, you know, comparatively. And I think it's because of those reasons, Jim. This this felt like the very shortest episode of the season. It just I was not bored at all, and time just flew by. Well, after the scene with Shane and Rick, we then cut over to Daryl. Now, remind me, because I cannot remember from the episode, did Daryl ask Jimmy permission for the, or ask if he was allowed to use one of the horses? No, he no. said, no. I'll get a, I'm going to take one of those horses, something to that effect. Like, it was kind of matter-of-factly, I'm going to get a horse, you know, like that type of deal. Okay, so Daryl's off by himself, well, with the horse, of course, um, pun not intended, and he is uh, searching for Sophia, of course, like everybody else. He finds a doll in a creek bed, and it's Sophia's doll, and he picks that up. Uh, he goes back to the horse, but a, I guess it was a rattlesnake, uh, scares the horse, he gets thrown off a cliff, down uh, an embankment, into a river, and he kind of loses his crossbow, he gets stabbed through the abdomen with one of his own crossbow bolts, he has to go find the crossbow again, and then he has to climb out of this ravine uh, when he's extremely wounded. Or not extremely wounded, but he, he's, he's wounded enough to make it an issue. I thought it was, again, another great scene where we kind of got hints of the fact that the horse was going to spook, you know, just when things were kind of moving around and the wind picked up or whatever. And then the snake comes and he really gets spooked. And then, of course, when when we get towards the end and Herschel mentions the fact that, well, yeah, dummy, you took the horse that would spook. And if you had told me, I would have told you not to take that horse. Um, But I like the, you know, the whole tumbling down the, the, the cliffside where we got the first person perspective, even on the camera shot. I just thought that was a really cool, um, cool segment. Uh, meanwhile, we go back to the farm and looks like this took place shortly after Glenn's scene with Maggie. So he's a little upset and he runs over to Lori and starts to be like, Hey, you haven't told Rick yet. You haven't, or you haven't told him yet or you haven't told them yet. He doesn't really explain who he's talking about. But uh, at that same moment, Rick and Shane get back and we can tell that they are still quite a bit upset from their conversation earlier. What does Lori sell him? Uh, Shut up, Glenn, or something, like, something like that. She, yeah, she dismisses him. him really quick. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how much the group knows about Shane and Lori. I mean, I know they were kind of sneaking off in season, in the beginning of season one, 
But you well, Dale knows for sure, I would think, because they were together when uh, you know he was with that group. So I, the early the people that were there with their group would all know, wouldn't they? No, I think they I, I think they were sneaking off in the in the uh, I don't know what episode it was in the first season, maybe the second where they. Sneak I think off. it was the opening of the second episode. Yeah. Yeah, they they were definitely uh, keeping it on the down low. But I mean, I would I don't know. I would expect someone like Dale to pick up on it because he seems to be that type of character, but. Like Russ said last week, he he is Uatu, the Watcher. <laughs> uh, so it's about this time that Herschel calls uh, Rick over, and we actually get to see the generator for the first time. And uh, he he complains again about you're not asking, you know, you're not controlling your people, and you're getting involved in my business. Jimmy wasn't supposed to go with you; he never had permission, and uh, you never asked permission to take my horse. And he's quite upset about that. And I like how again, Rat. Rick is like, hey, you know, I thought he, you know, he said it was fine. I took him at his word. I didn't realize that Daryl didn't ask you for the horse. You know, again, he's trying to, and it's interesting because knowing how this episode ends, it, it, it makes Herschel's motives for the way he's behaving um, a little more apparent. Like, I, I really liked how he's, he's being adversarial to a degree, but he's not outright rude and nasty to I mean, obviously, he saved his son's life. He's patched, you know, people up. But you could tell there's that 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 hint of you need to move along, and and you know we'll find out the reason why. But I thought that was cool. Well, yeah, but but I mean, you know, they're just like kind of running roughshod over his hospitality. If you think about it, though, I mean, here there he's sharing his food and water and his safe place and everything with them, and uh, you know, just long enough for them to find Sophia and for uh, for Carl to heal up, and and they keep you know stepping more and more out of bounds, you know, in his, his frame of mind. So, you know, even in light of the, you know, the, the reveal at the end of the episode, I just, I felt like, you know, that Rick's group's kind of just like, you know, imposing on him, and that was his reaction. Is this where uh, Herschel says, like, how the hell did you people survive this long? Yeah, yeah. yeah that was, that was uh, actually, I think that's towards the end of the episode. Is that after Daryl gets shot? Oh, after, yeah. yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. So we cut back to Daryl, who is, uh, you know, in the riverbed, and he wakes up, and who's there but Merle? Yeah, and- Rooker! Woo! Even though it was only a dream sequence, I'm glad he was there. Yeah. We need a name for uh, Hallucination Merle. Like, you know, on Fringe, they have, like, Folivia and Walternet for the other universe. But I guess we'll just call him Merle for now. We'll call him Two-Hand Merle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they, you know, they, they start to have this conversation. Why are you helping out Rick and, and his group? They're not your family. I'm your family. You're, you left me out here to die, and you never came to look for me, etc. and so forth. Um, Daryl kind of passes out a little bit and then comes to, he thinks it's, um, I think at this point he thinks it's Merle like grabbing or kicking at him, but he wakes up to see a, a walker's actually chewing on his shoe, and he has to think fast and fight off two zombies. Yeah, this was awesome. awesome. Yeah, and, and the and the uh, the Rooker monologue again was like fantastic, and it was nice. This is the first time. Now, granted, this is not the real Merle. This is all inside Daryl's head. This is Daryl's impression of Merle. But the two times we saw Merle before, the first time he was high off his ass on cocaine or heroin, whatever it was, and the second time he was suffering from extreme heat stroke. This is the first um, cogent Merle we've seen. You know, granted, like I said, it's not the real Merle, but it's much more of a human being than we got to see in the first two appearances of Merle, even though he's still, you know, a racist jerk. It's it's how it's how Daryl remembers him. 
obviously, because it's in Daryl's mind, and right. this, is, this is a side of Merle we've never seen, but one that Daryl is familiar with. Plus, it was kind of a cool way to have Merle without, you know, blowing, like, what might be a reveal later on this season or whatever. You know what I mean? We were talking about uh, uh, when they had the little teaser last week, of, uh, and they showed Merle in the teaser, we are like, oh, no, I can't believe they're bringing him back, you know, it's not even the, you know, the end of the season or whatever, and it turns out, you know, this is a, it's kind of a cool way to sneak him in. One of you called it, though, I think, wasn't it you, Jordan? called it ahead of time that it was not going to be Merle? There was a lot of speculation because one of the scenes AMC put up online showed Daryl getting hurt and maybe the first interaction of Merle. I think it was actually the scene they showed during Hell on Wheels. So the speculation that it might not actually be him was already out online. I I didn't come up with it myself. I got to say, though, after this officially being a hallucination and not the return of Merle, um, I really question whether he's going to be back at all this season. Yeah, I, I think if they, well, two things. One, you know you're a badass if you pull your own arrow out of your body that you've been impaled with yeah, the and kill the way. zombie with it. <laughs> um, and and two, I agree with you. I don't think we're going to see Merle back because I think then it's almost gimmicky at that point. Um, but I could definitely see him coming back maybe next season. Now, is this the uh, zombie ear necklace part as well? Uh, I believe that. Yeah, after he kills the two zombies, he chops off their ears, makes a necklace, and somewhere around there, he he, he had killed a squirrel earlier, and he had it on his uh, on his belt or whatever, and he, he rips it open and starts eating the organs and gets blood all over himself. Hey, is this the first time we've ever seen the zombie necklace? In The Walking Dead? Yeah, I think so. Uh, somebody on that? Facebook had said something about, they made a comment that made it sound like we had seen it before. Maybe it was just the way I read it. But I, I got confused and I thought, well, maybe he's had a necklace. Because I thought I saw three ears on the necklace. And uh, I thought maybe he's had the necklace with one ear the whole time. I think you see him chopping off the fourth of the four zombie ears. But the other three are from those two zombies. I was assuming. Okay, I follow you. I got it. It reminded me in that scene. Did you guys ever see that movie, Dead Presidents? Uh, like, bits and pieces. Like Larence Tate, and it starts off in there in Vietnam, and, uh, the one, I think it's Bakeem Woodbine, who, like, totally loses it, and he's collecting, like, NVA heads, like, he's chopping their heads off and carrying them with him or something like that, it, it and, uh, anyway, just kind of, when he, when he strung up those ears and put it around his neck, I don't know why, I just made me think of that. Now, this is a total, uh, well, it's not a nitpick, because I'm not angry at it, it's just something that I noticed, um, He's reusing these arrows and kind of like wiping them off, and then it, <laughs> and then it sticks him through the body, and then he kills zombies with it, and he's he used it to kill the squirrel that he ate from and stuff. You think they'll ever get to how exactly it's transmitted and what's safe and what's not safe? Well, I mean, I'm sure they will. I, I think he's reused some arrows, but this one, I think the only thing he had killed before it stabbed him was the squirrel. He Kirkman. wiped it off. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean to say that Five he should rule. be infected now. <laughs> I just well, mean it just makes me think. Like, are they ever going to get to what exactly? Because you know, in guts, they're rubbing it all over themselves. You know, like we. I kind of feel like we might need an explanation, like how you actually get it, besides a bite. Well, I mean, not to spoil the comics because I honestly don't even remember exactly how they do it in the comics, but in. The Romero canon, which for the most part the show follows, if you die, you're going to be a zombie anyway. All the all the bite does is kill you. Now, could the blood 
or other stuff, you know, infect you if it gets in an open wound? Theoretically, yes, but I don't know if we've ever seen that in The Walking Dead. Kirkman said on The Talking Dead that the whole issue with bodily fluids and things getting in eyes and all that kind of stuff, he said it comes into play later on or further down the road or something like that. So he made it seem like at some point they're going to address whether or not you can become infected by, you know, getting, um, you know, zombie juice in your eye socket or something like that. Very good. Mm, in the uh, in the comic, it is established uh, somewhere in the either the second or third twelve issue hardcover that uh, the bite does not make you a zombie. Like Jordan said, no matter how you die, you will be uh, coming back as a zombie. There were a couple of characters in the comic who were completely uninfected, not bitten or anything. Uh, they had their heads removed. Uh, by a certain someone, and they re- the heads reanimated as zombies. So it doesn't appear uh, in the comic, and I'm sure that Robert Kirkman will. Cry. I would imagine he would insist that the same uh, the same line of thinking uh, would be in the show as well. But it is uh, determined that it is merely death that causes you to become a zombie, not being infected, not being bitten by a zombie or anything like that. Obviously, this was a very polarizing scene. Uh, some of the Facebook comments, I can remember one in particular. Some guy said this was the worst episode ever, and his reasoning was that it was because Merle wasn't real. It wasn't actually Merle coming back. So uh, our, our Dixon brothers are very loved, obviously, by certain segments of the, of the fan base, and um, I, I love the fact that it wasn't the real Merle gives me hope that, you know, maybe eventually we'll see the real Merle, but I think it was a very clever way, like Jim said, it was a very clever way to bring him back. Yeah, I mean, assuming that Michael Rooker wasn't looking to be around for an entire season, it was a great way to have him in for one show and not really have to explain anything else away after. Right. And it's not the last we see of Merle, because after Daryl, uh, after he eats the squirrel and chops off the ears... He starts making his way up the bank, embankment uh, slowly but surely, grabbing on trees. And when he's almost to the top and doesn't think he can make it, uh, his uh, his hallucination Merle shows up again and kind of goads him slash encourages him up the last little bit of the embankment. Just when you thought you couldn't top the first monologue, <laughs> <laughs> he, he delivers this one. He's calling people, you know, the N-word, Democrats, you know, like every... the. The one-liners were coming so fast it was kind of hard to keep up. He's telling Daryl to kick off his high heels and climb up, the, climb up the hill, and there was some real good stuff in there. And I think well, it was ends... there. He called him Darlene at one point. Yeah, he definitely Darlene or something like definitely something like that. And I think he ends Darlena. I think he ends with come here and grab Rick's hand, right? Like when he's about to help him up that last bit, yeah. he holds out his hand, and and up until that point. Maybe they revealed it already, Jordan. I'm not sure. The first time you see that he has both of his hands. Yes, and they were kind of showing you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The the first time you see he has both of his hands is right at the end of the the scene where they're they're in the water still because he stands up and you can see it for the first time. Right, but they did a good job before that of like showing angles and stuff where you could only see his one hand and and things like that. But I like the end of this one where and he's really trying to draw that. And obviously this is a hallucination, but the Merle character here is trying to 
give that put that divide in between Daryl and the group saying, you know, you obviously they think you're like a redneck joke or whatever and oh Rick's gonna help you, the same Rick that cupped me to the roof and you know, so this was a cool conversation and then he ends with come here and grab Rick's hand and then Merle yeah. kinda of disappears forever. And and that's what I love. You know, I think there's been some folks that have been a little critical of the change in Daryl's character from going to what we saw him in the in the first episode or um to how he is now and that he's a little more laid back. Well, maybe not laid back. A little more he's human not, now? Yeah, he's not quite as harsh. Um, and I think what we're seeing in this episode is, is it's the Merle influence that, um, you know, how that almost kind of like, and maybe that's why he identifies with Carol, almost kind of like, you know, battered woman syndrome. Is, you know, Merle was just this overbearing, ridiculous you know, racist redneck guy, and he pretty much was responsible for most of Daryl's upbringing, and we're kind of seeing it kind of come home to roost here that, you know, how much of an influence he had and, you know, why Daryl is the way he is. So I thought that was really cool that they kind of pushed that a little further and kind of gave us a little more sympathy towards Daryl's character, if anybody was still kind of on the fence about that. Back at the farm, they're getting that dinner underway, and uh, Herschel is not happy. He's complaining about the meat being in his house. Uh, he's complaining to Maggie about her being too close to that Asian fella. Um, just all in general, crotchety old guy. Not not cool. Uh, meanwhile, Glenn goes out to talk to Dale and return a book he had borrowed from Dale. Uh, before he talks to Dale, though, we see that Andrea is actually on the roof of the RV with a sniper rifle, which I'm sure at that point, at least in the episode, got a cheer from all the comic book readers. And uh, then Dale and Glenn go inside, and Glenn posits the theory that all the menstrual cycles of the women are lining up, and Dale smartly tells him, you should probably keep that to yourself. Uh, but they get into a conversation about how all the women are acting strangely, or at least that's Glenn's opinion. He, he almost drops a little bit too much about Lori, but he backtracks, and they get on a side conversation about Maggie, and he reveals to Dale that he slept with Maggie which I, I thought it was kind of unreasonable, but Dale kind of freaks out and says, you shouldn't have done that. It wasn't your place to do it. Uh, if her father finds out, we're all in trouble, etc. And uh, Glenn kind of leaves in a huff. I, I kind of took that as like the classic, it's almost cliche. I think Daryl was kind of, or um, Dale was kind of hitting at being like cliched. It's like, A, he's our host, but B, you slept with a farmer's daughter, dude, which is like the the kickoff to how many hundreds of thousands of jokes out there about you know, you could sleep in my barn and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I, I just, I love that scene. I just, I love the interaction between Glenn and and, um, and Dale and the fact that Glenn just kind of wanted to get off his chest and maybe get some advice from, from Dale on, you know, which way to go. And, and just Glenn's innocence as far as, you know, he just doesn't have a clue as to what he's doing. What were you thinking? I thought I was going to die. <laughs> Great answer. Best comeback ever. I was like, oh, that is awesome. I love, yeah, great line. So it's right around this time that Andrea spots a walker way out on the other end of the field. She oh, and out. She yells, Walker, Walker, why don't you just yeah. have a siren and blow it as loud as you can? Yeah. So she wants to shoot it, but all the other group tells her, A, you know, Herschel doesn't want guns fired on the property if we can help it. B, we don't want the noise, so we're just going to go out, we're going to grab our, our knives, and we're going to go take care of it ourselves, so I guess it's Shane, uh, T-Dog, Rick, and possibly Glenn. I don't remember if Glenn was part of the group. They run out to stop the zombie. Uh, meanwhile, Andrea decides that she can take care of it anyway. She doesn't need to listen to them. 
And so she takes aim on the zombie right about the same time that Rick and company get to him and realize it's actually Daryl who's just covered in squirrel blood and hobbling along because he's been shot in the side with his, or he's been hit in the side with his own arrow. This is a and, scene that, uh, I'm sorry, just real quick. Uh, Shane's limping real bad in this little jog out to the, uh, out to the zombie or to Daryl. I don't remember him limping like when they were walking around in the beginning doing the, he was a Rick. little bit. But yeah, it was I mean, whatever. It was yeah, very noticeable was. in this scene. But I guess he was trying to run faster, so I'll give him a pass. But so they, they get to Daryl, and he, he says something along the lines, I made it, or where were you guys, something along those lines, right before Andrea takes aim and hits him right in the side of the face. It's just a graze, but she still hits him enough to knock him out. I wish I could. Says, uh, he, Go ahead, he says, that's the third time you pointed that gun at my head. Right, right, that's what it was. I just wanted to say I, I wish I could repeat the tweets that uh, the ladies were sending out when Daryl got shot by Lori. Yeah, I, I think I can. I think we can all imagine pretty much the gist of all of those. Yeah, I can imagine you know, the Dixon's vixens hit the roof. Th- this this image of of Daryl as a walker is my absolute all time favorite image on this show out of both seasons. Just. Because when they showed him from far away, he was limping. He was leaning to one side. It was like he was dragging a foot. I thought, this is genius. And it, they showed him closer up. He's filthy. He's got blood. He's got down the bottom half of his face. He's got mud everywhere. It was, to me, it was the perfect zombie makeup. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it was just, it was, he obviously wasn't a zombie, but he looked like one. It was beautiful. And, and I applaud uh, Nicotero for that. That was just fabulous. His face reminded me a lot of the of the vampires from Thirty Days a Night. How he just had the kind of blood soaked muzzle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a really cool effect. Even though I, I think I don't want to speak for everybody, but I mean, we all saw it coming before it happened, right? That it was Daryl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so oh, I, yeah, I was absolutely. going, oh, the Dixons Vixens are going to have a field day with this one. <laughs> Kirkman, if you want people to like Andrea, having her shoot Daryl, probably not the best. For idea. a second, I hope that he was dead. Just for a second. I love the character. I think Norman Reedus is doing a great job, but it would have been so like old school Walking Dead. If Send your hate mail to John. At just Legion blam, <laughs> main character gone. End of, you know, volume. That would have been so Walking Dead. In retrospect, I'm happy that he's not dead. But for a second, I was like, that's awesome. And then went away. I wasn't able to watch it live. I had to watch it on DVR. And when I watched it in the middle of the night, all I could think to myself was, oh, man, the Dixon's Vixens must have gone through the roof of this episode. I mean, not only did you get Merle, but then they, they I mean, they could have lost their, you know, their beloved Daryl as well. So they take Daryl in to get him stitched up by Herschel who's even more frustrated with the group than he was before, if you can believe it. Um, around this time, Shane and Lori have a conversation about whether they should give up on searching for Sophia, and he makes it very clear that the only two people he cares about in the group are her and Carl. Uh, everyone else can go uh, die in a hole. Jeez. It's, it's interesting. I mean, Shane makes good points, and I know, I know there are people that have been saying, you know, this whole season that, Rick is going to get everybody killed looking for this kid. Um, and I think we talked about it before, about how Shane was saying, let's face it, we're looking for a body now, etc. It's almost like they're trying to split the viewing audience like Team Shane and Team Rick. Well, Rick will get everybody killed, and Shane will just kill everybody if he gets a chance. Yes, and Daryl will win. Yes. 
Daryl will just eat Now, spells. is this... I don't want to uh, step on your toes if you're getting there. Did we, did we go back to Carl yet real quick? I, I think that was the scene where, where Lori was... Uh, that was before, right before dinner. Lori was kind of crying next to right. Carl's bedside Man, that, saying, that, that what do I do? Me. What do I do? That was like a bummer when they went back to Carl. Like, there was so much action and, like, other cool things and Daryl cutting ears off and Merle and... And then he went back to Carl, and you're like, oh, man, this kid's still out. Well, and, and Lori, like, Lori looks a lot like my mom. You know, a similar haircut, similar body type, etc. And so I just see my mom crying there, and it kills me, you know? Because my mom is definitely a crier when it comes to situations like that, so. Where's your mom's phone number? So, anyway. Meanwhile, Andrea is out on the, well, I was just say the back porch. She's on one of the porches. She's upset about shooting Daryl. Uh, appropriately, of course, and Dale sits down next to her, and he tells her, don't be so hard on yourself. We've all wanted to shoot Daryl at one point or another. Best another line of the episode. I, yeah, I think so. I still think Glenn's was better. Which one, which one of Glenn's? Um, the, I thought I was gonna die. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I thought I'd be dead tomorrow. Or I might not be alive tomorrow. So, okay, I had things a little bit mixed up. Now we get to dinner, so this is where the scene with with uh, Lori crying at Carl's bedside was, but regardless, everybody goes down to have dinner. Everybody's having a great time except Herschel, who seems very content being upset with everyone. Uh, we see Maggie passing Glenn a note at saying she's uh, she's interested again and just pick the place. And he is terrible at writing a note and passing it off uh, without being noticed. And it seems like Herschel has at least has some suspicions, but regardless, he passes her back the note. And uh, they continue having dinner. That was great how he got, like, all giddy and couldn't control himself and everybody's <laughs> looking at him right to know. Uh, I would like to add, listen, if you're going to invite the newcomer to have sex wherever he'd like in your house, maybe you should write anywhere but the barn <laughs> on the yeah. note. Or since you live there, pick the place yourself. Yes, but as Brad pointed out to me uh, earlier, we had to get him to the barn somehow. Right. So uh, I'll, I'll I take it. Yeah, when you get to that point, I have a comment. So after dinner, Maggie opens up the note finally. She, she noticed Herschel looking over, so she didn't open the note right then so he wouldn't see. And she sees that Glenn has written the barn underneath where do you want to meet up and hook up. So she freaks out. We cut over to Glenn, who comes to the barn, finds that it is uh, padlocked. So he walks around looking for a way in. He gets in. He hears some noises. He pulls out a flashlight, and he sees that in the floor of the barn are a good ooh, 20 to 30 zombies walking around. He lets right. out an oh crap, turns around, and we see Maggie who says, you weren't supposed to see that. Were there that many? Like that. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say there was a good number. I'd say 12 yeah. to 15, something like that. It, it was kind of hard to tell. It was dark. But, I mean, there, at least there's more than two or three. A gaggle of zombies? A herd? What did you say? Yeah. A herd of zombies? A murder of zombies? Oh, I was going to say that, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, you can say it now, and I'll just cut my part out. Nah, I, uh, my comment here was, I, I find it really hard to believe that Maggie, and again, yes, I'm nitpicking, somebody's got to, um, I find it hard to believe that Maggie would have waited that long to read Glenn's note, you know, while she's doing the dishes or whatever. You know, if, if I was a, if I was a teenager or young adult in that situation, I would have excused myself to the restroom, you know, and, and checked the note out at that point. But like John said, you know, they had to get Glenn to the barn somehow. And uh, I think we can all uh, agree that it's so nice to be able to acknowledge the barn at this point. I think we were all just totally jazzed for that. 
Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's it was a difficult one because they've been giving visual kind of cues about the barn, but we didn't want to come out and say, what do you think is going on with that barn, knowing full well that... I think we literally did say, what do you think is going on with that barn? Well, I um, tried not to. <laughs> it's, it's funny, I was watching it, I was in Houston over the weekend, so I was watching it with my son and my daughter-in-law, and, and Chris had read, I gave him the compendium, and he like blew through it really fast, and so, so he, he was familiar with what was coming. And so when, when, when he, when he saw the hayloft, I started laughing and, and, and my son looked at me and he just kind of looked funny. I was like, I was like, oh, I know exactly what's coming. He goes, he goes, really? And I was like, yeah, think about it. And he kind of sat there for about five seconds and was like, oh no. And I was like, yeah, my daughter-in-law was like, what happens? What happens? What happens? And neither one of us would tell her. We're like, you're just going to have to watch it. When Come she on down to Herschel's, Herschel's zombie barn. When yeah. she opened that note and read it, both of my hands went up in the air like, touchdown and i was like yes i was so excited uh and of course and you know as we've been saying listeners we've been dancing around the fact that we knew or we we suspected because they could have changed it but we suspected there were zombies in the barn from the comics and we won't say why um but we can say of course that herschel told them not to camp near the barn that there was things he was not willing to discuss with them and also he discussed earlier on with rick that uh, he considers the zombie outbreak no different than any other number of outbreaks that have happened over the course of human history, like AIDS or other things. And for all of those, uh, at least in some form, a cure or a fix or an inoculation has been created. So that's a, a, about what we know so far from the show of Herschel's mindset. That was the big tell. Right. You know, as soon as he said that, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so we, we didn't want to spoil anybody, and I think we did a good job of dancing around it. But now the cat is out of the bag. Well, the zombies in the barn. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. So overall, who wants to start with the uh, Buster ratings? I'll go. Go. Uh, this is my favorite episode of the season. I'm going to give it uh, four and a half Busters. I was not bored. I loved the the uh, Dixon Brothers part. Uh, the, the barn reveal at the end was awesome. Seeing Andrea with the rifle was just awesome. Seeing Zombie Daryl was awesome. I don't have any complaints, you know, other than the one nitpick, but it's a nitpick. I'm so happy, and I'm stoked for next week. Four and a half busters from Negative Nancy Brad. Nice. Uh, I will. I'll go because I'm repeating the sentiment. Four and a half also for me. Best one of this season, maybe top three in the series so far. Probably, for shizzle. I probably put the premiere of season one ahead of it. And uh, I don't know, but top three or four in the in the series. I will give it a five. Um, uh, yeah, which I'm usually pretty stingy with the ratings. Uh, to me, this was from an enjoyment factor, from great character moments, from everything I want to see in a Walking Dead show. This was just as good to me as the pilot. Um, and I, I, I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, where I'm at with with the show, The Walking Dead as a whole. And I kind of came to just the realization that this TV show is just going to move at a different pace than the comic. At times, it's going to be slower. Um, and I'm okay with that. You know, I think it was really kind of bugging me for a while. And I, I just, you know, this is, it, it is what it is. You know, this is the show. Um, and, and some things are, are, are just going to take longer than, than, you know, we're used to them taking. Um, and I'm, I'm good with that. So I, I think it was just a really, I think the timing of this episode for me personally and my enjoyment of the show was was 
perfect timing um, in, in where it came out and how it came out. So I was really, really happy with it. Jordan? I will go back to the four and a half. I was, I was kind of dangling a little bit in between four, two, five and, and four and a half. Um, for me, I like the episode. I will say that a lot of it was pretty well telegraphed. And I'm not even talking about the stuff I know from the comic, but some of the stuff like that Andrea was going to shoot Dale or how Merle was going to be used. Wait a minute. A lot Andrea of those shot Dale? Were, I'm sorry. Daryl. Daryl. Um, but I, I thought a lot of it was telegraphed. Not, not in a bad way, but just a little bit more than I like. So it was a good episode, but you know, there's still those little things in the background that I didn't love. Uh, I give it a, a different four and a half, uh, busters. It's, uh, my favorite episode of this season so far. Uh, definitely, uh, good, you know, good action pieces. Great to see Michael Rooker, uh, always. Glad that they, uh, took the time to, uh, build up on Daryl's character a little bit. Explain, you know, his motive, kind of explain his motivations as to why, you know, he is with Rick and his group rather than not looking for Merle. Um, I, I, I thought it was a strong episode overall. I really enjoyed it. Jim, can you read us Aaron's email? Our buddy Aaron from the Out Now podcast left us a little buster and some comments. Absolutely. But, uh, the show that uh, John is referring to is the Out Now podcast. It's part of our network of podcasts that you can check out on hhwlod.com, by the way. Uh, we don't only do the Walking Dead podcast. We have a whole spectrum of other podcasts in our network, so check us out there. Uh, he emailed us, Aaron, uh, emailed us with some thoughts about uh, the Chupacabra episode. Um, yeah, so he says that, uh, he thought it was a mostly solid entry, despite a few issues that he had. Uh, it was, uh, you know, you get to see Rick and Shane argue. You get to see Glenn lectured by, to by Dale. Uh, his name for the dream version of Merle, uh, he wants to call him Dreamy McMurley. So we can try pulling <laughs> that out. It's a little wordy, uh, but we can work with it. Dreamy McMurley. Um, the, uh, he also agreed that the Vixens must have had a field day with this episode because the, you know, the Dixons are running wild. Uh, the bad parts of this episode you can summarize as, girl, are you stupid? <laughs> and, uh, he talks about reasons that he dislikes Andrea in this episode. Uh, she's pouting, she's firing a rifle, making all kinds of noise, not helping the group, not confirming her target. Andrea's nearly succeeded at being a character I don't think highly of after all this, which is a shame in comparison to her role in the books. Well, I mean, I think it's a little early to sell Andrea short, Aaron, but I, I guess I can see your point. Uh, he also says he's in the, in the, uh, Shane camp as far as the search for Sophia goes. And, uh, he, uh, hopes that, uh, he says that, uh, now that Glenn has made his way into the barn, this means that his 11 condoms will probably go unused for a bit longer. <laughs> and he, he gives it, uh, four busters overall. Uh, the line of the night, Glenn making reference to the ears around Daryl's neck. So thank you for your email. Yes, thank you, Aaron. To go back to Andrea for a second, uh, one other thing, we didn't talk about it, but I've seen it discussed quite a few places. Not only does she fire a rifle that she does not, at this point in the co- in the show, experience with, she's firing this rifle, she's firing it right at a guy who's in a crowd of five people. Like, Rick and, and team are sp- standing a- about ten feet away Who from Who does she Daryl think she is, she Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, it just kind of compounded the stupidity of her actions. But hopefully well, she learns her lesson soon. I don't know if you've ever fired a rifle with a scope. Many times. Have you? Oh, I'm surprised oh, yeah. at your I, reaction then. I used to be a boy scout. But she's not, she does not have that skill or that training. We've never seen her touch a rifle before this episode. Some people are just gifted. 
Well, she, I mean, she was gifted enough to graze him, but I'm just saying it, it's incredibly stupid and irresponsible to fire a weapon into a crowd, even if you have training. You know, at, at that distance, it's just not a good move. On I will just say, judging by the preview images that I have seen, they're going to get their training pretty soon. Hopefully. Hey, the the, the sneak preview of next of next episode is really cool. It, mm-hmm. it involves uh, Shane and, and Andrea. It's it's pretty awesome. We will get to more preview stuff, uh, just in case there's some people that don't want to hear about the preview. We'll wrap it up and then do the preview for next week like we, like we did last time. Yeah, I think that's a pretty, remember good, to do. pretty good plan. Yeah. So yeah. we'll give you all the information, how to call in, enter the contest, etc., and then we'll go to the spoilers. And then at the end, bloopers, this time about my mom. Okay, let's wrap up uh, some Twitter busters and, and Facebook stuff, too. Uh, Soda gave it a three and a half out of five. Uh, he changed it to a four because Merle sort of made an appearance. Uh, Luthen gives it a three and a half. Squirrel stick to a tree. Uh, five from Michelle. Uh, 4.5 from Merritt. Uh, Caesar gives it a five out of five. Another five out of five. Four and a half. I'm running through these fast. The Talking Dead podcast, our, our buddies on our podcast network gave it a 4.25. Good guess. Pretty great episode. Tammy gave it a four and a half. Kevin gave it a five. Oh, here's a bad one. Jeremy gave it two busters. Most disappointing episode of the season. Yeah, that's the guy I was referring to earlier. He, he's only upset about it because Merle wasn't real. He angers you, yes? He doesn't anger me. I just think it's funny to hate <laughs> something just that much because it didn't turn out the way you wanted it. That fictional character wasn't real? Tiny Rubber Robot gives it a five. Great uh, name. Yes. Real quick now from Facebook, Mike Jones, who called in four and a half, Kevin a five, and Mary a four and a half. And Mary also thanked us for uh, her action figure. She received it, so thank you. Mick gives it a 4.9999999. Hey, John, which one did you send her? I don't think we ever heard officially. She got the biter zombie. She got the Greg Nicotero zombie. Nice. Uh, Michelle gave it a 5, and Debbie gave it a 4.8. Another bad one I wanted to read here. Carlos gave it a 2.5. Can we move the story, please? Uh, he went on a little bit. I, I think it's mostly the Sophia and Carl stuff that's aggravating him, and I'm sure it's aggravating some other people. Um, that was so little of this episode, you know? There was so much more going on, whereas the previous episodes were all about finding the stupid girl. Yeah. And four and a half from Liz. We got a ton of Facebook comments, and we really appreciate it. It's just hard to kind of... I got I to gotta remember to do a poll so we can percentages and stuff like that. Bunch of fives, bunch of four and a half, another four and a half from summer. Uh, there's one three and a half. So, I mean, you're mostly looking at four and a halfs and fives. Couple of people gave it that. I wish the story would move it along in the two, two and a half. Um, and they're entitled to their opinion, of course. We absolutely. just Absolutely. We've, yeah, we've actually disliked other episodes a lot more than most people. So, that's cool. Thanks again. Check out the Facebook group uh, at WDTV Podcast for the Twitter. We're going to run exclusive Twitter and Facebook contests just for those groups. And we like to tweet during the show and stuff. It's a lot of fun. So thanks to everybody that participated this week. And, and, and I was just going to say, and for folks out there, um, try not to take things personal. We like to just kind of jive back and forth with not only ourselves, but with the audience as well. So. If, if it if it kind of came off as we were being a little harsh, a lot of that is just it's just us kind of uh, 
I, I would call it banter. Yeah, we're just used to doing that with each other, and so, you know, I think sometimes we forget that there are other people listening to us <laughs> instead of the, actually the five people that are on Skype at one time, so. We have a couple more voicemails, and uh, let's try this one. Hey, guys, this is TJ from Michigan. I was just thinking of a couple of things. I thought I'd throw them out there. Uh, I talked to somebody. They said military terminology for save the last one is always meaning save the last bullet for yourself in this type of situation. I don't know if you guys mentioned that or not. And I wonder if anybody's going to come up Shane and say, hey, wait a minute, you said that Otis was covering you, but you brought Rick's gun back, because as I recall, he gave Otis his gun before he left. Anyway, just throwing out there, love the show. Thank you, TJ. So what he's saying is that, let me see if I got this straight, uh, Rick gave Otis his gun? I remember, I remember, gun. I remember yeah. Otis having that cheesy rifle, though, right? And then well, Shane kind of both. made fun of him? Yeah, oh, he both. did have both. Yeah. And Shane but comes back with Rick's trading gun. back and forth of weapons, and you know, th- there's no reason. There's no reason why Shane couldn't make an explanation for why he had the gun. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Uh, but thank you for that. Well, the and other worst thing comes I, to worst, he just shoots everybody else. I never heard the military term "save the last one." It was it was new to me. I don't, had any of you guys heard that before? No, I hadn't. I hadn't I've, either. I've heard the concept. I didn't know it was a military thing. Very good. Uh, one last one from Vic. Hey, Walking Dead crew. This is Victor from Exploring the Multiverse video podcast. I just want to leave you guys a quick uh, story on your on your email or your voicemail here. Um, my wife and I are driving around uh, celebrating Veterans Day, and on our hour and a half long drive to our destination, my wife says she's going to take a nap. So I say, well, then I'm going to put on one of my podcasts. She said, well, can you at least make it a good one? Can it be the Walking Dead TV podcast? So I said, sure. So there you have even my wife, who is not a geek, but a Walking Dead uh, TV fan. She even likes to listen to your podcast. So I thought that was fantastic. So let you guys know. Keep up the good work. And we're about ready to uh, catch up on your on the last episode, which is Cherokee Rose. So we'll find out what you guys thought about that. Keep up the good work, guys. Yeah. Can Victor's wife be the official wife of the podcast? I was about to say, thanks, Victor's wife. That's awesome. Yeah, because Lord knows my wife is never going to listen to the Walking Dead TV podcast or probably watch the show. She hears me saying enough crap all day. She doesn't want to uh, hear my pocket. My wife, not yours for us. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> so, Rick and Shane part? situation here? My wife actually listens to uh, the stuff because I play it in the kitchen while I'm working. So, But she doesn't intently listen to it, so. So it's subliminal. <laughs> well, she watches The Walking Dead, so she, you know, it kind of follows along. She's read the comic too. Buy Jim video games for Christmas. There's a little subliminal message. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't for you. Anyway, uh, if you would like to leave a voicemail, the number is 516 468 7912. Let us know what you think of our show. And the Walking Dead television show, we'd rather play your voicemails than read stuff. But if you'd like to send us something we can read, you can send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. And if you don't just want to send us a comment about this Walking Dead TV show or about our show, you can enter the Where's Sophia contest. That's right. Send us an email or a voicemail, one per person, please, with your guess as to where Sophia is. Be specific, be creative, have fun with it. 
And if you are correct, or if you're one of the people who's correct, we'll pull the name out of the hat of correct answers, you could win Volume 1 or Volume 2 of The Walking Dead trade paperbacks signed by both Robert Kirkman and Chris Hardwick. So send in those emails, send in those voicemails, as many of you already have, and you could win an awesome prize. All right, if that is all that we have for this evening, I think we will wrap up here. Jordan will do his thing, and then we will talk about the preview for next week. And if you want to skip that, there will be uh, bloopers at the end. So don't forget to check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, The Legion of Dudes, The PKD, Black Box, and Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Also keep an eye out for our less regular shows like Media Minutes and the newly formed Tech Dudes featuring Russell Latham. It's an awesome new show. And all these shows can be found on Facebook as well. Don't forget to check out forumforgeeks.com where you can find the Walking Dead Podcast Network. And you can follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. So until there's no more room in hell on the dead walk the earth, remember, don't be too hard on yourself. We've all wanted to shoot Daryl. And for those of you who want to hear what's going to be on next week's episode of The Walking Dead, episode 206 is entitled Secrets. Glenn knows too much for his own comfort level. Daryl finds a sign of life and tries to make it back to the farm alive. And those are our secrets. How much flavor slurpee do you want when you go to hell? (laughs) Yes. We only got two more episodes before the big break. For the hiatus, then we can can actually sleep. You said Daryl finds a sign of life and then tries to make it back to the camp. So that means he leaves again? Um, it could be a misleading uh, little blurb. They that sounds that like sometimes. the end of uh, the end of this show, doesn't it? No, I yeah. think you read the. I think that's the wrong promo, dude. No, this is secrets. It's Glenn knows too much for his own comfort level. That wouldn't no. be for this episode. Not true. I, I don't know. Yeah, what he knows about Lori's pregnancy and it's too much for his comfort level. True that. This says secrets. Hold on. Plus, me... looking in the barn. Right, but I mean, I'm assuming that would be more for next week's episode. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, here's another one. Uh, we have secrets are told and secrets are revealed. Herschel refuses to acknowledge the world's new reality. Andrea comes out of her shell. Everyone is becoming more and more aware that everything is food for something. That's so maybe, a good one. Maybe they updated it since the first one was posted when they like combined episodes one and two to make the, uh, the two hour premiere or the 90 minute premiere. Okay. Did anybody see the, the, Sneak preview uh, scene with Shane and Andrea? I did not. Russ, what'd you think, man? I like drill instructor Shane. Yeah, yeah, big time. I mean, that's... I mean, just, yeah, he, that was... That, he's he was, channeling Arlie Ermey, for sure. Oh, yeah. And it, it, to me, it just explains a lot about Shane. It really, it just really fits. It, it's really getting me excited to, to see next week. I agree. I mean, he does not pull any punches with what he says. Nope. So that's it for this week's show, and tune in next week to find out all of our secrets. Have a good week. And our mom's secrets. Your mom's secrets. Apparently her wife's secrets, too. There's going to be a lot of secrets. There'll be plenty of secrets to go around, and that's not a secret. I am your brother, your best friend forever. Singing the songs, the music that you love. We're brothers till the end of time. You want me to sit it out? I will. No, it sounds fun. 
No, the cell phone doesn't bother me. Hell, we did LOD for how long with me on the cell phone? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm going to put my... We do want you, we do want you to sit out, but not because you're on the cell phone. I know. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. Is the voicemail still going on? Did I screw that up? Nope. Or is that Brad's background? No, no I, was gonna, I was just going to say something. I sound like a voicemail, though, because I'm on the phone, I guess. We have your mom's phone number. I was going to say something <laughs> like that. I'm so glad you said it instead of me. Sure, she's happily that. married for 27 years. I think, uh, I think she's good. Uh, we had to have some bullshit. <laughs> um, Does she mean, like movies about gladiators? No. She ever hear the cut in, uh, she cut in uh, Stacy's mom by fountains of Wayne here. <laughs> she ever hear the sound of a crisp twenty dollar bill? <laughs> My mom's a grown man really, naked. She doesn't like any movies. What was that, Russ? She ever seen a grown man naked? This is airplane, Jordan. We're quote, we're quoting airplane, so don't. I, I just <laughs> couldn't hear what he said. Okay, all I right. The other quotes. Okay. She ever seen a grown man naked? Uh, my dad at least four times, presumably. Because <laughs> I have three siblings. <laughs> uh, oh, so we just got off Jordan's mom. Now we're gonna. Or, or, now we're whoa, gonna get on my <laughs> Just got off. I didn't get off Jordan. <laughs> oh, and it goes downhill from there. Oh, Jesus, Jim, where's your wife? <laughs> Is Jim there, or did the storm kill him? <laughs>